0: Uh, I couldn't um, not think about being in heaven and uh, surrounding the throne with God's church, a number too great to count, God says in the book of Revelation, and a, a number that includes every ethnic group, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all represented. No one has ever done that. No one has brought together somebody from every ethnic group, from every nation, from every tongue together and put them on the exact same page. And God is creating this church with people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every ethnic group. And we'll all stand around the throne together and we will be there. I just just can imagine it's going to be such great weeping in that place as we look and say, this is awesome. Believable that God has us unified as his one body, as his one church before him, our one Lord. No more arguments about predestination and election and baptism and church order. It's just we're one in Christ. Together giving him praise. When that happens, yes, how great. Is our God. I want you to see the beginnings of that perhaps in this text uh, this morning as as you begin to feel what Christ is really doing and where He is taking us. Let me read for you um, Romans 12, beginning at verse 3 For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of Himself than He ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And last, so last week we talked a lot about each of us being given a spiritual gift. And I had to really kind of skip over verse 4 and 5 to get that done. Verse 4, for just as we have many members in one body, we all, the members, do not have the same function. So we who are many, implied members, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then he begins to list some of those gifts. This morning I want us to think about the membership aspect of what God is doing here. There was a time when church members just didn't think about church membership. We just did it. There was no question. When we got saved, we would join. We would become members of the church. And then in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the megachurch movement, other things started happening. And a lot of churches started saying, well, we don't do membership." If you attend our church three times in a row or three times total in a certain given time, we consider you members. We just don't do membership. And we've gone through a period where people um, think membership and attendance are equal. They are not. Anybody can just stop and evaluate. That's not equal at all, membership and attendance. So should we be members? Some people say, There's nothing in the Bible about it. I just read verse 4 and 5 clearly talks about membership. We are members. And it's different than attenders. Members are those people God has saved, brought into His church. They have joined His church. They have been gifted for His church. And we looked at the giftedness that we have that um, last week that uh, God is doing this. Now, none of this should be strange to us. In my, the back of my mind, I just need to get it out and read it to you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, this, this statement that Jesus makes just before he goes to the cross. He foretells that I'm fixing to die. And this is why uh, I'll pick it up. Verse 16, Matthew 16, Simon Peter answered, to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you Simon, Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So it's like right on Peter, you have gotten a divine revelation from God, the father himself, that I am indeed your savior. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ, the one to redeem you. Verse 18 He says, I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock, and really Peter is the um, leader of the apostles, and upon this foundation of the apostles, what's Christ going to do? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And he says, let me tell you about how I'm going to do that. I'm going to die. And he goes on in this passage, I'm going to die on a cross. And I'm going to accomplish the purchase of my church. I own my church, and I build my church. And the gates of Hades will not go against it. So it would make sense if God's going to purchase us with his own blood, that he would then equip us to take care of one another, the church. And that's what we saw last week. We are all equipped to particularly give a gift of ministry to one another, to the church. Now, for us to know who we're supposed to be ministering to, the church, there needs to be a membership so that we understand these are the members to whom I have been gifted to minister. And he points that out in Romans 12, verse 4 and 5, just as we have many members. We are members of the church. I showed you last week the different spiritual gift passages in 1 Corinthians 12, um, 11 and 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and then Romans 12, uh, we see these spiritual gifts God's given us, and they are gifts given for the church. Now, with all that in mind, let me just walk you through. If you were going through Romans 12, verses 1 through 5 slowly, and we've tried to go slow week by week in these verses, but let me just review, okay? Let's look back at chapter 12, verse 1 together. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, I told you that, meant that word was logical, reasonable. That's your rational, your logical, rational service of worship. I think I put it on your outline there. So from just verse 1, you think about uh, God Because of the mercies, because he has redeemed you, he has created you to be one of the members of his church. And because he has demonstrated such mercy in forgiving all of us of our sins, it would just make sense that we respond to him with worship. If if somebody saves your life, what do you do? You give them your life. That's verse 1. He says it's logical that you would present your life back to God. It's reasonable worship. Then verse 2. Not like the world would do it. Verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Be a transformationalist by the renewing of your mind. So be a thinking person. You're thinking about the mercies you've received. You're thinking that I want to now live my life for God. Presenting to Him the will of God. Verse 2. Verse 3, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. What is he saying? See, with verse 1 and 2, you're starting to think, it, I am somebody. I have been chosen by God. I have been given God's mercies. Everybody hasn't. I've been given great mercy. I now can present to God something that pleases God. So Don't start getting the big head because it's going to get better. I'm going to particularly gift you. And God gives us spiritual gifts. And then it even gets better. I'm going to make you members. You're going to be in the end crowd. You'll be members of my household. Members of the body of Christ. Each one of you gifted members for God's glory. So that the many members become one in Christ. That's what we're talking about. That's a right view of Being a Christian, we're vessels of God. Now notice that flow from mercy, forgiveness, pardon, worship, gifted members. Notice it flows into membership. That's not an invention of man. Believers don't sit around and say, we don't do membership. No, believers say, God does membership. God has brought us in. God has joined us to his body, the church, to himself. The church didn't invent that. That's something God does for us. And it's it's the next step for us. If, If you are here this morning as a follower of Christ, and no one ever told you you should join a local church, I'm sorry for that. That's wrong. You should have been told. That should have been the next step. I want you to think about that with me for a minute. When Jesus preached, he preached to bring about church membership. Let's look at the results of Christ's sermons. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. It tells you the results right here. Ephesians chapter 2, and let me read a little bit of it. Beginning verse 17. Verse 17, Ephesians 2, and he, that's speaking of Christ, he came and he preached. What did he preach? He preached, peace to you who were far away. Now, the people far away from Christ when he showed up were the Gentiles, okay? I won't take time to go back and show you all that. The far away group is the Gentiles who would be new. I mean, near, the Jews. So that's what he's saying here. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Gentiles and the Jews. Verse 18, for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. The only way to get to heaven, the only way to get to the Father is through Christ. And that's what he was preaching. You have peace with God through me, both Jew and Gentile. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but your fellow citizens, with the saints, the holy ones, and are literally members of God's household. Only God can adopt. And God says, I am adopting both Jew and Gentile, and I'm making you to be, a be- one who belongs to God's household. That was the result of Christ's preaching. He preached for membership. He preached for inclusion into his house. For you, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, to be included into his family membership. Who's your family, O Christ? Who belongs, O Christ? He has very clear knowledge. We call it the Lamb's Book of Life. Every name that's included in that membership or his household His family tree. Christ preached for that. The church mission was placed under the elders for that purpose. Um, You know, the Bible wasn't written to individuals. This is hard for us in our individualistic society. The Bible was given to priests, it was given to Levites, it was given to prophets, and they and then when you get into the New Testament, it was given to the apostles and then to elders. And, and these leaders were supposed to assemble, gather the church together. You remember of, excuse me, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us not forsake the assembly. Why? Because these leaders took the time to create an assembly, to have an assembly time. We've got elders in this church. They, they It's up to us. No, it's up to the elders. The elders came up with the time we would do this assembly. Every church has, should have leadership that says we're going to meet at a certain time. We can meet at different times, but our elders have chosen 930. So we meet. This is the assembly time that they have chosen. And why? Because we're supposed to assemble. God has a reason for the leaders to instruct the people of God. And not just that, but for every member to use his gifts, remember Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You need a time, an assembly, where you can use the spiritual gifts you've been given. Last week we looked at, what are my gifts? Now the question should be, how do I use them? You must assemble the people so I can be in the midst of God's people using my gifts. There must be a place where the membership of Christ is known and visible and in person so that I can use my gifts because that's how God designed it, that I would use it that way. And that's the way the scriptures continue to teach us that God wants us together for that purpose. Look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 47. When uh, Peter started preaching his first sermon, Jews, Gentiles from every nation were gathered in Jerusalem, and that day 3,000 were saved. And when they were saved, notice what happened. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 47 Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved the lord was adding up a number didn't say he was counting attendance he was adding to a number the saved ones not the attenders the saved ones were the ones that were being counted look over at chapter 5 Verse 14, it goes through this book. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 5 says, And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to the number. Somebody was taking a role because it mattered. These are the people who were being multiplied through the preaching of the apostles and being added to the Membership. Look at chapter 16. I'll just give you one more. Chapter 16, verse 15. No, it's verse 5. Chapter 16, verse 5. So the churches. See, it didn't say the individuals. Catch that. Plural. The churches were being strengthened in faith and were increasing in number daily. That's what God has designed is that the great commission goes out or the the good news goes out that we're to make disciples of Christ and the churches are multiplied. The churches, local churches in every nation, tribe, and tongue begin to grow and they're adding to their number multitudes of people. God was and is building a membership. We get very individualistic in our society. I, I, I can't find a place in the scripture where it talks about an individual isolated Christian. Did Christ just come to die for you? No. He came to die for the church, for a multitude, from every ethnic group. He's not interested in just an individual. He's interested in a membership, a full number that is known as his church. Well, I gave you some verses on adding to the number just to see some of the function. Uh, look at uh, First Thessalonians 5.12. Several people have come up to me uh, the last few weeks and said, you know, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. I don't know who came up with that. It's not in the Bible. I appreciate the appreciation. Um, if it comes from anywhere, it comes from right here. First Thessalonians 5.12 is what made me think of it. But we were request of you, brethren. I love the word brethren. You're going to hear in, in the next week or two that this translation I use, New American Standard Version of the Bible, 1995. They want to do... They've already published a new version. It's the 2020 version. And they want to do away with brethren and go kind of gender inclusive and change the word brethren to he and she and persons and stuff and I think you're going to miss the beauty of being members that we're not individuals we are a collective group we're brethren we're members and that's the way he's addressing us here we request of you brethren that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you In the Lord and give you instruction, and that you highly esteem them, very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for the people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. It goes on. But you begin to get the point. That's a membership. He's saying, you are brethren. You are family. You have leaders. You have instructors. You have time to use your gifts. And as you use your gifts, I urge you. Some of you have the gift of admonishment. Admonish those of you who can encourage. Encourage those of you who can serve the weak. Serve the weak. And he just goes through. Beginning to talk to us about A membership that works. And it works because we have been united to one another. One other leadership passage, when people sometimes come to me and say, David, should I join a church? I will sometimes give them Hebrews 13, verse 17 as my response. And I'll say, well, let me read a verse for you. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Do you know any attenders who do that? See, that, that verse doesn't work for attenders. Say, so well, you need to obey our church leaders. No, no, I'm not a church member. See, it only works for membership. There's commands in Scripture you can't keep if you're not a member. You must be a member to receive the gifts of members and then use those gifts among members and respond to the leadership God has put in place for members. Um, it's always about membership when you look through God's rule. Um, it's just natural to join. It's God. It's the design of God. Um, one other verse: 1 Corinthians chapter twelve. Great analogy here, uh, using the body as an anal- the human body as an analogy for um, church members. And in this analogy, let me just give you one verse. Verse uh, twenty-one of First Corinthians twelve says, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. See, that would just be utter foolishness. He's using the analogy. If you if if we all make up a human body, one of you is the head, and another one's the feet. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, it could, but didn't have to walk in a you know get around in a wheelchair? That wouldn't be smart. And the, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the eye to the head, I don't need you. Well, how do you learn? How do you read if you don't need me? You know, it, it, the analogy works in saying we all need each other. Anytime you look at a member of the body of Christ and you say, I don't need you, you're acting like an attender. That's what attenders do. People who attend say, I don't need to be a member. I don't need to join. I don't need you. And the Bible says, no, you do. If you're a follower of Christ, you can't function as a follower of Christ without being a member and needing other members to do their part as well. You say, well, what's my part? I, I think I've got service gifts. I might have speaking, but probably more serving gifts. How do I do that? And that's why I wanted to give you this list. We are designed to do life together. I looked up for you, and you've got it now in, in, before you, every place in the Bible where God uses the phrase one another, okay? Which means this is what the membership does for or to one another. So depending on your gifts, these are things You do. You use your gift this way. First one, love one another. All gifts can be used to love. It's the greatest of these gifts is love one another. There's a sense, yes, you love the whole world, but there's the Scripture says, especially the household. Another word for membership. Especially the household of God. We are to especially love the members of Christ. That's in Galatians 6. What do we do for one another? Show the same care, very similar to love, for one another. Be kind to one another. And that's going to be important. You'll see it in a minute. Be hospitable to. We're all greeters. We greet one another as, as, as brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, Our elders have have made promises even in their eldership. So we're going to be here early to greet, to be hospitable, to open our homes, uh, to love one another. Uh, Next, show tolerance for one another. Oh, man, the the world wants to argue and fight. I don't know how many times recently I've said to church members, I said, look, I know we disagree, but I'm not going to fight you. Because I'm commanded to tolerate, show tolerance for one another. I said, we're not going to be at enmity. We're going to love. I said, we're going to have to figure out a way to deal with these differences as fellow members. Um, Be submissive to one another. People argue about whether their wives or husbands are submissive. We're all submissive. We get it. This is part of being good family. Serve one another. Fellowship with one another. We've got to get together for that, right? Small groups, big groups. Not complain against one another. I've told you many times, we are not the members, the, the group that grumble and complain. It's not what we do. This is what we do. We don't lie to one another. We're humble towards one another. We don't think of ourselves too highly because my gift's different than your gift. No, we're humble towards one another. We teach one another, admonish one another, we encourage one another, we stimulate one another to love and good deeds, we honor one another, try to speak well of each other, speak and sing with one another together in worship. That's what we do. Uh, Forgive one another, confess our sins to one another, we pray for one another, share one another's burdens, we're at peace with one another, be members one of another. Devoted to one another, giving preference to one another, being of the same mind with one another, accepting one another, not judging one another, greeting one another, waiting for one another. That's a job description. The job description of the church. That's what we do. We are members that do that. However, you want to look at it. That's how God designed. He said I designed the people I save. To be one anothering. Are you using your gifts. To one another. To do these things. What a list God has given us. we That's our responsibility. That's what's responsible church membership is. Uh, doing those things for one another. Um. Christ's membership is what Christ wants, or church membership, membership to Christ. It's what Christ wants. Have you ever wanted something so great? You said, I got to have it. I want it. I would die for it. Really? Would you really die for it? Well, see, Christ has. What has Christ died for? He has died for his church. So you can't convince me Christ doesn't want church membership. Christ wants it so much. He is willing to hang on the cross for it. It matters greatly and dearly to him. Christ wants to build his church And to make sure the gates of hell will not come and stand against it. Um, When we go out and minister for Christ, it should never be with no concern for the church. We should never be just concerned to have a crusade of thousands of people coming to Christ. Our concern would be, no, we need to build churches for Christ. Because Christ, what Christ wants is a church. He didn't say go get individuals. Go build the church. Structure the church. Don't forsake the church. Use your gifts in the church. And maybe it's just our culture, but we've, we slide from that and want to just make it about me and Jesus. When Jesus' plan is so much bigger than me, Church membership is what believers do. It amazes me when I tell people, you need to be good churchmen. They say, What? I said, That if you were anything else, you'd call it, I'm pro this. I said, I'm, What I'm saying is, be pro church. Be passionate about what Christ is passionate about. He's passionate about His church. Um, he moves us to gift us to be participating in His church. When the people were saved, Acts 2, verse 47, we've already looked at it. When were they added in membership? It says that day. They were added to the church that day. They didn't have to take a class. They didn't have to go through some membership protocol. Jesus sees that if he saves you, he accepts you, the church on earth should accept you as well. You should be added to the number of a church that day. That's what believers do. Uh, go back to that passage just real quick. Acts chapter 2. Notice, I just want you to notice the immediacy of all of this. So Acts 2 verse 47, they were praising God, having favor all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number that day. Day by day, those who were being saved. And We know... Uh, Previous verses, 3,000 were saved that day. Now, notice just a few verses before that. Verse 42 They, who are the they? Those that were added to the number that day and day by day. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, probably thought of as communion, and to prayer. And it keeps going. So, not only those four things, but everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. There were many wonders and signs taking place through the apostles. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, They began selling to take care of the needs of one another. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So that's our home ministry groups, having people over, gifts of hospitality, encouragement, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And they were added to the number that day. See, that there's not, a, there's not a gap. You get saved. Membership. You're filled with the Spirit, gifted to start one anothering the members of God. Yes, instruction is needed. Yes, to be a disciple is to be a learner of Christ, to sit at His feet. And there's much to learn. But you know enough. I was... By the mercy of God, I was saved. I was pardoned from sin. I've been filled with His Spirit, given a particular gift that I'm now to use. I now have significance. I now have purpose because now I am valued in the church of Christ. And I am one of an elite number that make it to heaven and sit around the throne of God. That's who I am. So that's how I will live. My identity is changed at the moment of salvation. It's not changed through a period of classes. It's it's changed immediately. That's what believers do. It's what Christ wants. It's what believers do. Now, think about assurance of salvation. As I was thinking through this, um, most of us need assurance, don't you? I need assurance from time to time. How do I look this morning, honey? I look all right. See, I need assurance. My head was itching and I started scratching, so now it's my, head, my hair and my eyes. I need assurance. I look okay. I need all kinds of assurance. You need assurance. People come to us and say, I need assurance that I'm saved, that it's, that it's real, that I belong, that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that there's greater assurance than, than really just actively, than church membership. Coming before an elder ruled church and sharing your story, and when people come before us here, I, I can't remember a time in the last decade, I haven't read First John chapter 4 during that meeting. And I tell people, I said, I really want it to be a meeting about love. We're trying to discern God's love for you, our love for you, your love for us. It's really about love. If you leave this meeting with the elders and you don't feel love, we've done something wrong. It's not a harsh time. And I usually read this passage. Let me read some of it for you, for you. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Everyone who loves is f- born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. So that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that... That we loved God. See, that testimony is not what we did. It's what testimony about something somebody else did. It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let me just skip on. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Think about assurance again with me. It is of great assurance to take the leaders God has put in place and say, What do you think? And for those leaders to say back to you. From what you have told us. It seems to me. That you love Christ. And you love his church. And the reason it is. That you love Christ. And the church. Is because we have become convinced. As you shared your story. That God loves you. You love Because he first loved you. And he brought you into his household, his membership. If God has accepted you, we would be sinning not to accept you as well. Welcome to this membership. Those who are sinners loved by God. What an assurance that is. For somebody else to look into your soul and say, I see God. I see Jesus there. I see that God has showed up, and he's changed your heart so that now you, you want to be actively known as a church member, as part of the body of Christ. Well, what does that do? It helps people. It helps others It helps us. Let me just quick verse show you it helps others. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I mean chapter 12, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I don't think I read this last week. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So we're all given these grace gifts, spiritual gifts. Catch the last phrase. For the common good. None of us were given a gift, spiritual gift, for selfish use. As church members, we get the benefit of each other. We were all given gifts to employ them in taking care of. You saw the job description. Loving, encouraging, admonishing, um, dwelling with, just constantly ministering to one another. Gifts, membership helps Others, uh, because it's designed that way. God wants us to give ourselves to others. Remember the spiritual gift list? First Peter chapter 4 says, if you've been given a gift of speaking, speak as though you were speaking the very utterances of God. Help people out. If you've been given the service gift, serve as though you were strengthened by God for the task. And give it to one another. Your gift was given to you to minister to and help one another. Um, yeah, it helps, it helps the leaders when they uh, design an assembly time that you show up so that they can do their gift of speaking and providing encouragement. It helps the world, and sometimes we forget this. Let me look at one verse on that, how our membership helps the world. John 13, 34, and 35 says this. A new commandment, Jesus is speaking, a new commandment I give to you That you love one another, even as I've loved you, that also you love one another. And here's how it helps. Verse 35. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. There's a sense in which he is saying the world will say, Oh, what church do you go to? Wow. That church has a membership that loves one another. That church... Seriously, takes their membership vows to take care of one another. I see Jesus when I see that church use their spiritual gifts as members one of another. So this is not theoretical stuff like, I don't believe that, I, I don't need to do that. No, this is seriously how we function as those who have received God's mercy and present to God spiritual offerings of worship, it's using the gifts he's given us in the membership that surrounds us. It helps us. It glorifies God. It wins the world. Um, well, it helps us in, in many ways. I'm, I'm out of time again, which is common for me. For I don't know why. Um, Sometimes some of you pray for me, I appreciate that, pray for me, pray for me daily, pray for me weekly. The Apostle Paul in in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 through 11, he, he tells the Corinthian church, his fellow members, he was the pastor of that church for a while, he says, I know through all of my trials, my temptations, the problems I face, he says, I have been delivered through your prayers. You pray for me and It matters. It affects my life, the fact that members are using their prayers, their gifts, their loves for one another. It makes a difference, which is why we have a weekly, daily prayer chain. Why people come and say, pray for me, because it does matter. God uses not just preachers, but he uses members of the church to, to pray for one another. Ephesians 5, we looked at it a little bit ago. Colossians 3 says, We are to gather to speak to one another in hymns and songs and spiritual songs. I don't just sing to God, I sing to you. You sing to me. Why do we do that? Because it encourages, it stimulates one another to love and good deeds. It really helps. To be in the body of Christ as fellow members doing what God has called us to do. Well, there's so much more. I've given you a lot in your outline. Let me just say this. We are not alone in this world. You're not alone. If you feel alone at times, maybe you've not been putting enough value on church membership. Your fellow members, fellow members... Of the household of God when you join the local church. If you've not joined a local church, you, that should, that's your next step. should happen quickly. It doesn't have to be this church, but it needs to be, you need to be members, those who are followers of Christ, of a local elder rule church where you reside. We're not alone in this world. We're members, fellow members of the body of Christ, loving, and caring for one another. That's what we do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a somewhat comprehensive view of the value and the significance of being fellow members of the household of faith. Thank you for adding us to your number. And Father, those here that have never found such significance and value, may they long for Christ, and we plead, Lord, that your mercy would be extended to them, that they too would be drawn in and brought into the household of faith by mercy and by grace. Father, for all of our kids who are too young even to know their left hand from their right, we ask that you would draw them in, that they would know the beauty and benefit of being members of the body of Christ. We thank you for this grace extended to us, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.